in Acts chapter 19. Remember it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. There were 12 believers that are specifically mentioned in this passage. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response was, no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. But I want to just go back and look at that. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And uh, I want to give you uh, a heads up, and I want to give you a get, it, get ready and uh, be expectant in this, okay? Because we're going to get some people to share some of their stories, and nobody knows that yet. And I'm not intending, Mike, to call on anybody. I'm not necessarily planning to call on anybody, but here's what I'm looking for. I would like to hear, um, there are certain things with regards to understanding the Holy Spirit and growing up in a family that, that that was an active part of our life that is so common to me that I may even miss the significance of what it might be in somebody else's experience and how that transition was introduced to their life. So I'm really interested in folks here today that did not grow up in an environment where you, were, where you were familiar with the Holy Spirit, you may have been active in church and living for the Lord, but you had not had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where you saw that type of dynamic, and then something happened, and you were introduced, you became hungry, you heard something about it, and then you pursued, and you had an experience where you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would like some people to be prepared to share that story. I know that there's people here that that is your story, and I think it would be, it's necessary for our body for where we are right now. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the, the Lord has been doing something inside of me that is stretching me and stretching my perspective, and here's some of the reason why. Okay, I'll just be honest with you. I hit a wall. There are certain things that I can easily trust the Lord for, certain things I don't have to blink about trusting the Lord for. There's other things that, that it may be a challenge for me. Usually that is not necessarily related to me, but it relates to other people. For instance, we need to redo our bathrooms, okay? Uh, we had someone come in and give a quote for redoing the bathrooms, and it rocked me back on my heels because I didn't want to hear about that number. We've already found out ways that we can bring that cost down. I don't have a number to it. But what caused me to hit a wall and cause a delay is really the fact that I don't want to see a financial burden come on people, okay? A financial burden. We've got a certain amount that we will be able to invest just from the church, from, from the, where we've put things away. We've been saving money to put things away so that we can take care of cost of remodel and cost of things, so we've got some money. But the Lord really challenged me and said, if, if you can't trust me on these things, I mean, we're just talking about bathrooms. I met a pastor down in, in Colombia, in Bogota, and he, was, he had already bought the land, cleared the land, and was preparing to build a church for a congregation of a million people. He said God told him he would have it, and he already, they had about 10,000 people at the time. And they had 24-hour service in their, in their current sanctuary, and they have a satellite network and and all that type of stuff, a um, 24-hour TV station. But God had told them that they were going to have a congregation. They'd have people coming in there by 50,000 at the time, and they'd have to do that just about, you know, continue, have, have multiple service in order to accommodate a congregation of a million people. But I'm stumbling over a bathroom. 
not four bathrooms, two buildings. But we really need to update that. So that's something that we're going to be working towards. But here's what the Lord has challenged me with. And, and last week I had to stop myself, but I felt like the Holy Spirit brought it back to me this week. So I am going to rock your world and tell you that God can change the world through this congregation. God can change the world through this congregation. He took 120 in an upper room, empowered them by his Holy Spirit, and sent them all around the world. And it changed history. It changed history. God can change the world through this congregation. Now, I'm not trying to fly solo here because I thank the Lord that we've got brothers and sisters all around the world. That God is stirring, God's preparing to do things. But folks, let's not lose sight in our place in the midst of the purposes of God. I've been, I know it seems dry as plain toast to some of you, but I have been refreshed by... My go-to book outside of the Bible over the last few weeks has been a theology book. Everybody said amen. Um, but it's good because it's foundational, it's deeping, and it's got a spirit-filled perspective, and it's scholarly, it's, it's very in-depth, and it's very well-referenced, and, you know, it, it's, it's got deep roots when it comes to spiritual truth and understanding. J. Rodman Williams, he uh, was head of theolo theology up at, at Regent University is the one that put this together. And back in the 70s, Times Magazine came out and said that there's ever a man who would be able to write a theology of the charismatic movement. They said J. Robin, Rodman Williams was the one who did it. And he began writing this book back in the 60s, and he finished it. This compilation was done in 1996. And it's interesting because it's a deep, in-depth writing, but yet he's quoting people that are contemporary to us. So that's a blessing. Anyhow, I, I've really been enjoying that. And last night I was spending time with regards to the return of the Lord and going back and reading about the return of the Lord and the different biblical words that are used to describe the appearing of the Lord and the coming of the Lord and the presence of the Lord at his return. And talking about the day of the Lord and looking how those things interlink. And one thing that I just, without boring you with a whole bunch of Greek and things like that, although I'd love to spend some time there, but it's not the purpose for this day, is the fact that we need to understand that there is a day coming. There is a day that is coming when Christ will return to the earth and set things in order the way it will be. It will be the end of history as we know it. It's talked in the Bible as a grand and glorious day, and it is. But I just want to emphasize that it's also a terrible day because it's a day of reckoning. It is the end with regards to people's ability to choose. And those people out there that are, are lost and without the Lord, I don't want to be on that side. And I'm thankful that I know the Lord and that I've been blessed to have a relationship with him and everything like that. But that doesn't mean that now I should just be content and be happy with the fact that I'm safe and my family knows about Jesus and they've accepted Jesus and all of a sudden we're taken care of, so I'm just going to wait for my ticket to be 
punched and I can be with the Lord forever. What about a passion for those out there? You know, here's the thing. Can we just turn to Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter, no, it's going to be chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Kelly, and keep me on track, would you? Make sure. I... So Moses is speaking, and I've shared this before, but um, these are the words of, that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the river Jordan. So here we're 40 years into the, the children of Israel's wilderness journey. They left Egypt, they left bondage, and they had a promise that they were going to possess. They were excited about the land that flows with milk and honey, the land that had been promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They, out of desperation and in a famine, went down to Egypt and found refuge there in the time of a famine where there wasn't any food to eat, ended up spending 400 years and lost favor with the pharaohs and ended up becoming the slaves to the pharaohs. They lived for 400 years with the promise down in their, in, their, in their collective spirit that there's a land for them, there's a home for them that's not here. We're believers, there's a home for us that's not here. We're experiencing hints of what heaven is just in our interaction, our relationship with the Lord, but this is not the end. So they end up being set free from bondage and they're brought out into the they're brought out of Egypt. They cross over the Red Sea. But then because they could not believe that God would give them ability to overcome the giants in the land and to 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 rout the enemies that were there, the the uh, those who were already inhabiting the land, they wouldn't believe that. They ended up living forty years out in the desert. But this, in, in look, in, look in verse 2. It says, normally it only takes 11 days to travel from Sinai, the place where God visited them and gave them his word, and God instructed them about them being his people. It only takes an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was the place where they were encamped when they sent spies into the land and had to make the decision, will we go in and possess the land or will we hold back and so many of them said we're not able there's giants there we can't do it so it's only 11 day journey from that place of visitation to the place where they could have stepped into the promise and chosen to take possession of it only 11 day journey they could have moved on in to the possession but instead they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert now I'm jumping ahead of myself from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the, the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord has commanded him to say. This took place after he had defeated Mount Zion. Mount, Mount Zion. I'm going to stop right there. And then we go on down to verse 6. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move, and, and move on. So here's the thing that I want to... 
I want to challenge our spirits with. Look, folks, there's a lot of things with regards to the promise of God that the church has a lottery mentality. We know that there's a promise out there, but we're just hoping someday, somehow, we might just happen to do things just right or put the right number in or pray the right prayer or just be in the right place at the right time, and hopefully we will win the lottery. I mean, we see on TV and on the, on the, they're good about popularizing it and see that it happens. People win the lottery. Right? But folks, Jesus didn't call us to a lottery. He called us to an inheritance. He called us to a heritage. You're not waiting on a lottery that maybe one day God will notice you. You are are noticed by God. You're a child of the Most High. You're a part of the family. The old song said every promise in the book is amen in Jesus. I want to challenge you with something else. With regards to the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It is. But folks, it is not the gold and the silver. It is not the mountains and the valley. It's not the oceans and the streams that he's after. It's not the birds and the antelopes. And the, it's not all those things that he's after. There's one treasure in this earth that he desires. There's one thing that he really is passionate about. And that's the people. And God's desirous for that. Folks, with, we, we have got to get, from, get away from this mindset where now that we're safe, all we've got to do is wait it out. And someday that lottery's going to hit. Someday that's going to happen. I just want to say the children of Israel wandered around in the desert for 40 years knowing that one day we're going to possess the land. And then God spoke this verse to, to them in Deuteronomy and said, you, you've been here time long enough. It's time to break camp and move in. In the body of Christ, we've got a mindset that if we just wait this thing out, then one day the Spirit of the Lord's going to come back. Everything's going to be set in order the way it's supposed to be. But there is no, can I speak something to us? There's no spirit of conquest about our envisioning who we are as the people of God in the earth. The children of Israel were waiting for God. One day everything's going to come about and we'll be able to go in and possess a land. But God spoke to them and said, look, you need to break camp and go into that land. And the body of Christ needs to get that mindset. This land, these people that are out there are ours to go and reach. Instead of just waiting for God to come and set things in order and to put his kingdom in place fully. His kingdom is in place, but right now there's this, it sounds sci-fi, but it's like a parallel universe. The kingdom is in place, but there's still things that are out of place, and they are both existing at the same time. There's going to be a time when history, as we know, will end, and then it will be the kingdom of God from that point on. But right now, there's an overlay. It's a parallel universe. Jesus spoke about it, speaking to the Roman governor. He's like, my kingdom's not of this world. His kingdom existed. 
but there was still a Roman governorship. And were they doing what they were supposed to be doing? No, things were out of place. Are things going on in the earth exactly the way God wants it right now? No, but is the kingdom of God advancing? It is. But folks, if I could pour something into our hearts and into our lives right now, we, I want you to understand this. The kingdom of God is advancing in the earth to the degree that the people of God will work and advance that kingdom. Will you go in and possess the land? Are we waiting out the lottery or do we have a conquest mindset? You know, it's not that we are destroying people. It's that we're setting people free. We are the bearers of the truth. We have the kingdom of God inside of us, Jesus said. We're going and taking that knowledge and setting things in order according to God's purposes and plans so people are no longer in bondage to darkness and defeat and destruction and pain and fear. We've got to have a conquest mindset. There are, there are people around you that will never be free unless you share it with them. I wish, it might even be erroneous, but I, I don't think it is. I'll, I'll, I'll step out there. I wish that I could introduce to you, I was looking for that word. I'll say introduce and not impose. We'll say introduce. Introduce to you a mindset that God's reaching the lost is dependent on you. Because how many believers that know Jesus are expecting somebody else to do it? I don't have to really do anything because somebody else is going to do that. Well, I'm not comfortable, so that excuses me. How many of you love to do dishes? How many of you, I, I got a better one. All right, let's just go there if we're going to go there. How many of you love to clean commodes? Okay. Does it need to be done? None of us love to clean commodes. But it's got to be done. Look, it may not seem natural to you to share your faith. It may not seem natural to you to pray for someone when you see they need prayer. It may not seem natural to you even to extend yourself and give to someone that needs to receive something. That, But folks, there's just times where things, you, there is no excuse. There is no, I don't like doing that. There is no, I'm uncomfortable with that. We got to get beyond it. Yes, Kellyanne, we got to let that go. Husbands tell their wives, well, I'm sorry, I just don't like to do that. I don't like to sweep. It's got to be done. How many other things are you going to push over on your wife? Or how many other things are you going to push over on your husband? Because I don't like to do that. Okay, there's okay to have different roles and different people. But at some point, if that becomes out of balance, it becomes painful. It goes from being a sharing of life and becomes to be a burdensome thing. But folks, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as children of the Most High... We can't just sit back and say, I'm going to let somebody else do it. 
I'm going to wait for somebody else to do it because I'm uncomfortable with it. Stretch. Press in. God provided for that, I'm uncomfortable. God provided for that, I can't speak like other people speak. God provided for that, I don't have enough. God provided for that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. God provided for that. Let's go there. Lord Jesus, help me to say everything needs to be said and help me to be quiet when I need to be quiet too. There's things that need to be said today that I'm not supposed to be saying. People need to hear your story. So remember what I said to begin with? If you had that kind of experience, there's people that need to hear it today. Because, be quiet, David. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Pull it back. So verse 6. This is... After the resurrection, Jesus is getting ready to, to leave the earth and go to be with his father. Isn't that just amazing? I know I, I talk about this sometimes, but it's amazing to me that, that Jesus, who was walking around healing and doing all these mighty things, and now has been resurrected, and he's spent 40 days in the earth walking among his people, and, and people are seeing him and understanding that it's really him. They've touched him, and they've eaten with him, and it's really Jesus who's alive. 40 days walking on the earth. But then Jesus says, but I've got to go. Why? But Jesus, you're resurrected. And, and they were excited because they thought, surely. I mean, the, the death and resurrection have been taken care of. And look what the disciples in verse 6 say. So when the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Even with all that he had done, their expectation was that there would be a political kingdom to be established in the earth. They thought that now their Messiah has, not only did he die, but now he's been resurrected. He's shown that he's the Son of God. He's shown his Messiah. And now he's going to put everything politically back in order. He's going to restore Israel. And is, is this the time? Is this the time? But that was the limit to their expectation. Verse 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. And then he completely shifts gears and turns from what seems to be the topic of conversation here with regards to that political kingdom and, and the restoration of Israel. And in verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. He completely shifts gears. They're talking about some type of political kingdom, but he is more focused on something else, about them receiving the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Jesus said, it is necessary that I go to the Father so that he can send the Comforter, send the the promise, so he can send the Holy Spirit. It was so vitally important for us to be received the Holy Spirit that Jesus had to go to heaven. Because Jesus had come in physical form and he was limited to time and space. He was in a physical form and he couldn't be everywhere at one time in that form. But the Holy Spirit is not limited. He can be anywhere 
with every one of us in every situation. And he's just as much God. He is God. But I said that he provided for that in, in this verse. And, and those of you who know this verse are very familiar with this, but I'm going to say it again for those who may not and to refresh those of us who do know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word for power there, come on, tell me what it is. Anybody know in the Greek? See that? Dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. The power like dynamite. A force more than enough inside of us. So, the Holy Spirit's been churning inside of me. Folks, God's vision for what he can accomplish through us is so much bigger than what we've allowed to take root in our hearts because we've gotten familiar from traveling around in our tents out there and waiting for something to happen. But God wants us to have conquest on our mind. And to be successful in conquest, we've got to have power. But he provided for that. And Carolyn, I love that story about John. Matter of fact, I love for you to tell that story. I love for people to hear that story because they need to hear about the healing power of God. There's a shift that God wants to do in our mentality. And that shift is, I believe this is something that's going, getting ready to trans, transpire in the body of Christ in the earth. We have, God has given us glimpses of what he can accomplish through powerfully anointed ministers in the earth. But those glimpses are not to be intended that we look to those people as superstars, but that we look to them as examples. Because what God has done through the few, he desires to do through the many. It's not just a calling to a few. I believe God wants to move powerfully through his people. What would happen, Chris, if God was really released and his Holy Spirit was able to move the way he's always intended to move through the body of Christ? I want to really ask you to do this. Would you do this? Would you begin to pray and ask God to use you to reach the lost? Would you begin to pray and ask God to use you to touch people that need to be healed? Would you pray and ask God to show you what your purpose and your place and to open doors for you to where you don't just have to look to one day God's going to do something through somebody or we don't just have to come to the church house to be able to see God move. We don't have to come here to see somebody get, get healed or something like that. But we get to come here and tell the story that, that, that of what God's been doing during the week. We've got to have a conquest mentality. Look, folks, this city's going to keep going on the way it's going on unless somebody does something about it. Unless the light that's in here goes out there. And then the light that's in that other church goes out there, and that other church goes out there. Because I'm gonna, I, I have been so moved by the Holy Spirit to where I couldn't talk. And even this morning when, when Carolyn was, you saw me sit down over here. It wasn't because I was tired of Carolyn talking. <laughs> it wasn't that I was getting bored and need, needed to get off my feet. Carolyn, the Spirit of the Lord was moving on me so mightily that when, when the Spirit stirs that thing in me, Mike and I have had this conversation twice. 
it catches me away. God keeps speaking to me and said, I can change the earth through this church. I can change the world through this church. And that he desires to. It's not that he just can. And so is that something that we're willing to receive that promise and we say, okay, God, here we are. Use us. God, may it be unto us according to your word. Look, we're not going to define what that means. It doesn't mean that we have to become the big and glorious or something like that. It can be one-on-one -on -one through people we come in contact with, and that one-on-one -on -one becomes a Billy Graham and a, you know, you name, name the different type of ones that we are. But we're touching people strategically. We're secret agents of the Holy Spirit about our life and everything that we do, that, that he's moving mightily through us, that we're making place for him in our casual conversation. And we recognize that those chance encounters may not be chance, that they may be a divine encounter. But can I just tell you this? It's not ever going to happen because we know enough. It's not going to happen because we are, have educated ourselves. It's not going to happen because sometimes we've made some glorious name for ourselves and we're high up in a pedestal or something like that. That's not the way God moves. That's not what God wants for us. God wants a people that are filled with his Holy Spirit, that are empowered by him. And I want us to understand that. Because I know even right here, for some people, that's like a foreign, a foreign thing. It's not an understood thing. It, it's a, a, an assumed thing. I grew up in a Pentecostal denomination, and I remember back in the 80s, they did a survey of the denomination, a Pentecostal denomination. And, and, uh, and, and let, me, let me just, can I encourage this? When people come up and share in just a little bit about their own personal experience, I don't want us to talk about church names, Okay. I don't even want us necessarily to talk about denominational names, okay? Because some of you may have grown up in a different place, and I don't want us to be, this is going to be taped, and this is going to go out on the Internet, and I don't want people to hear church names or things like that. But I do want you to share your story because people need to hear. There's some people that are searching, some people that are just beginning to discover, and they need to know how important this is. And what your experiences will help them understand how God could move through them. But in 1980-something, there was a Pentecostal denomination that, that they did a, a survey, and they found that in that Pentecostal, spirit-filled denomination, only about 25% in that denomination had a real experience and could point to a, a time or an experience where they felt like they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I take just a moment and, based on my understanding, explain a little bit about baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, I believe, it is my understanding that no believer can really declare that Jesus is Lord or really coming into a saving relationship without having an, a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that works in our lives to even give us the ability to voice that and to believe it. So the Holy Spirit is active in that relationship. But there is a, a, another... Uh, facet of it. We, we see in the scripture that there are people that received the Holy Spirit. You know, I love to go through the different, last week we spent a little bit of time going through the different experiences where people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it talks about it. And remember how it talked, how it just didn't match the pigeonholes or the check boxes that were there? The, the Lord was able to do it in different kind of ways for different people. Some received the Holy Spirit while they were hearing the message. Some, they were believers and then they got prayed for afterwards and received the Holy Spirit. 
And so there's, there's varying different ways that that, that, that happen in people's lives. So, but there does seem to be a dynamic, and my understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not as, as much, uh, I hope this doesn't rock too many people's theology, it's not as much about us um, being introduced to the Holy Spirit is, it, is, it, is that it's about us learning how to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's learning how to give place to him that, that with all of our faculties that God gave us, now there's a whole other dimension and we are allowing God to work through us to accomplish his purposes. And see, that in an unusual kind of way, for those of you that speaking in tongues is a strange thing to talk about and it's an unusual thing. It is an unusual thing because for the natural human being to say things that you do not know or to speak things that don't make logical sense to you, it is an unusual thing. But it's, it, there's many dimensions to it. Part of it on a devotional or, or uh, a building up kind of sense, and I don't want to get bogged down here. It is a yielding of your members to let the Lord speak through you. And things, the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, is able to pray things that we don't even understand. There are definitely, some churches are okay in talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit as long as you're talking about them speaking other natural languages in the earth. I had a, a girl when I was in college and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was not from a Spirit-filled church, but she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she, for about two hours, could speak nothing but French. She'd never studied French. She didn't know French, but she was speaking French. It was intelligible to the point where I had studied French for three years. I was interpreting what she was speaking to people that were around her, but she couldn't speak anything but French. But she, her conversation was testimonies about the Lord and the things that he was done. She was talking about the glory of the Lord, and she had no idea what was actually coming out with regards to the French words, but she was speaking French to the point to where I could understand her. My own dad, one time, uh, I'll, I'll be very brief with this, but he went to a, uh, a tribe over in Africa. He didn't know their language. The interpreter wasn't working out, and he said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Lord, help me. And he began speaking their language and preached for about an hour in their language, explaining the things about the Lord. And he gave an altar call and people came down and got saved. The interpreter got saved. He prayed in their language to, to finish up the service. And when he finished his prayer, he couldn't speak their language like that. But now the interpreter, who before could not explain the spiritual truth, got it. And uh, he began working as an interpreter, but he was explaining the truth that he had just received to the people as an interpreter for my dad, and he became the pastor of that church when dad left. But for an hour, he spoke in a language. But there's times, folks, when that language that the Holy Spirit might give is not something that we necessarily understand. There's times when I'm praying in the Spirit when I have a sense of what the, Lord is, I mean, what the Holy Spirit is praying, but I don't really know what the words are communicating. Or I may be called to pray for Kellyanne, and I, I'm praying for her about something that I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to intercede over her about but it's maybe something that I don't even need to know anything about. So I'm not having a knowledge of what I'm praying. I feel very moved and directed to pray for her, but I may not understand all the details. Sometimes God keeps your private things private. And may I say this? Just because God some reveals something to you doesn't mean it's supposed to be spoken. So if God gives you a word, test it and see if that's something that God intends for you to re reveal or not. But... 
that yieldedness to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and, and even speak in, in words or tongues that we don't understand is a great discipleship or learning to yield to the Holy Spirit so that when he gives us something that we, don't, that we do understand, we don't know someone's circumstances, but he gives us a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. I'm not going to take time to teach on the gifts. But he gives us insight into somebody's life that we really don't know anything about their life, but there's a supernatural understanding that comes. We've, we now, with our natural tongue, can yield and speak that thing because we've learned to yield our members in things we don't understand. I hope that's not too confusing. But there's a reason why the foolishness of tongues is a part of the intended Christian experience for a believer. I've talked way too long. I'm so sorry. But I do want to intentionally say this, that God's, Jesus went to go be with the Father so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you don't understand this, ask God about it. If this is something you've got questions about, bring those questions to us. We'll, we'll try to help explain what we can't explain. We'll pray about and ask God to help us explain. This is something I'm very passionate about. And folks, I believe there's things that we need to accomplish in the Lord that we're not going to be able to accomplish without receiving this power from God and without flowing in the power that we've received. Is there someone who would be willing to come up and share their story? That should be on. Here we're good. Testing. It's not mooted anymore. <laughs> well, I was brought up in a church that did not teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I had an aunt that went there. And there was something so different about her. I told Mother, I said, I don't know what Aunt Lucille's got, but we ain't got whatever it is she's got. I know that. Because she was just so, the Spirit of the Lord was just so real on her. And I don't know that she ever talked in tongues. I don't know what she did or she didn't. I used to take her. She used to come down here a whole lot with me when we first started coming. And she'd fall out in the spirit. She actually fell out one time in the church she was in. And, and nobody knew exactly what was going on. But she really impressed me. And I said, God, I don't know what Aunt Lucille has, but I want it. Whatever it is, I want it. And so uh, we had listened to Jimmy Swaggart on TV. And so he was at Raleigh. And we went up there to listen to him. And he talked, like that, Pastor David, about the Holy Spirit. And I said, I want that, Lord. I want it. And so I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I knew I was a different, something about me was like Aunt Lucille. I felt different. I felt like I even looked different. I did not speak in tongues. But I knew that I was a different person. Something really happened to me. And I shared it with some people. Some mom didn't agree with it, but that's okay. But then we ended up, um, I don't know how long it was, but we, we came out to the Moose Lodge when Pastor Eric had started a church out there. And Pastor Eric was talking about the Holy Spirit. And so he prayed with me to receive the tongues. And I said one word, and it sounded like Chinese, and it scared me so bad. <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, Japanese or Chinese or something. And I thought, oh, my word, what was that? And so he said, just, you know, Practice that and practice being in the Lord's presence and say whatever you get in your spirit. But I didn't get but one word, so don't be discouraged if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You were baptized when you asked for it. When you said, Lord, I want it, I said, Lord, I want that. So I was baptized in it, and I wish I could say I had flourished in it like I should have, and for a season I probably did, but I think we've all kind of, you know, in, at different times maybe slipped away from it. But anyway, 
after that, I began to speak fluently in the, in the Holy Ghost. And it was just such a blessing. And the Lord has shown me so many things. But about a few weeks ago, a few months ago, uh, I had a real urge to yield to the Holy Spirit. There was a hunger in me like I had years ago when I saw Aunt Lucy. And I know I spent a lot of time with the Lord, probably more than I had before because of some of the things I've been through. And, but I said, Holy Spirit, I yield everything that's in me to you and take my life and do something with it. You knew I would be here at this time in my life, but you still have a plan for me. And I said, I want to yield to you. And it was just like, all I could do is say, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I listen for you. I listen. He said that he is our teacher. He teaches us, shows us things we need to know. And it was just a hunger in me. So I, my Pastor David said he'd been leaning on a book. Well, several weeks ago, I was in the prayer room one morning, and Benny Hinn's book was on the shelf, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I said, okay. <laughs> so I took it home, and I just devoured it. And I had bought, one day I went to the Bible bookstore last year. So this may have, or about Easter time. And there was a lady in there, and she bought this little folder, and it was about the Holy Spirit. And it told all about him. And I said, oh, this is so good. So I've been reading that and meditating on it, but it's like God's stirring up the, the whole Holy Spirit because he is the power. He's the only one that can do it. I said, Lord, I can't do these things without you, but I am not without you. You are on the inside of me. Carolyn said, the healer's in there. The Holy Spirit is in there, and he brings to our remembrance what we need to know. And, um, but anyway, that was just so good to me. When Pastor David started teaching about the Holy Spirit, I said, Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. We're on the page. We're on the same page God is because I have listened to several ministers right mm -hmm. lately. And every one of them is teaching on the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A lot of you know Andrew Walmack, and I heard him the other week. And he was saying, that's where it's at. That's where the power is. And we've been trying to do it in our own strength. Mm -hmm. But God's saying, you can't do it without me. I know what to do. And one thing more that he does he wants us to ask him when we need something. This week I was having a battle about something. And I said, Holy Spirit, I want to know exactly what's going on. I said, I want to know. And then I got right quiet. He brought a scripture to me I would have never thought of. And he just revealed it to me so plain. So we've been struggling trying to figure out why things don't work and why things are like they are. And all he wants us to do is say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you and I ask you to show me and he will give you everything as you need it and reveal it to us. He is a person. He's on the inside of all mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. I just, it's just an Amen. excitement. Amen. God's intentional. There's, there's things that God's working on. I really feel like there's going to be two more people to share. Ben, you started. Donna, I, I, go ahead. Come on down here, Linda. Donna, I know you need to share something. Right. Okay, this will be this will be interesting. Uh, the Holy Spirit should be an emotional uh, affair with you. Uh, don't even know where to begin because the Holy Ghost, you know, he's the foundation of every step that I've ever taken in the Lord since I've known him. But before I knew him, I set myself up to commit suicide. After my best friend, who committed suicide before me, which was my only family, years ago. So I set myself up desperate to not to want to know what the truth was, but I didn't know the truth was spelled with a capital T. 
for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I grew up in a church every single week that didn't have any idea about the power and the fullness of the Holy Ghost. So it was amazing to me to begin with the pursuit of a personality that I didn't know yet. Because I was fine in saying, I need to know the truth and I want to know the truth. And unless I know the truth, I'm out of here because this life is a waste. Many of us maybe have been in places like that in our lives. You should have confronted that place in your life before you gave it to the Lord. Because when you look at this whole world and everything going on in this earth, if it's not for him, if it's not for the truth, if it's not for the Holy Ghost, life's a waste. You might as well get out of here. If he's a liar, if he's not true to his word, life's a waste. You might as well get out of here. And that was the whole foundation of where I began. So I started seeking the Lord and uh, excluding everything else in the world that didn't mean anything. All the different lifestyles at Barton, huge influence, looking at lives that were set up for degrees, lives that were lived for cars, for money, for prestige, for prominence, checking them off the list. Nope, I'm out of here. That's, that's not what life's about. I could see it clearly, but who was giving me the vision to see that? He was. But he was doing it through the power of the Holy Ghost here on earth, working with unbelievers and you might be surprised by that. But he works with people who haven't even given their life to God yet. Unbelievers to open their eyes. It was unbelievable. And so a uh, little, one of the friends at Barton said to me, hey, would you like to go to a service? I said, I don't really care. I haven't really talked to anybody in a month. She said, no, we want you to come. I said, I don't really care. If you want me to go, I'll go. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. She says, no, we got this. Is a church service? It's a church service. I said, I don't care. Because I didn't care. I was analyzing things and believing that I was going to find the truth or I'd be out of here. Now, realize this in the position that you're in today. Saved. The truth that I was looking for, I didn't know, was him. I didn't know it was him. But I knew there had to be truth. And if there wasn't, we're out of here. Isn't that the truth? And so, I went. Now, we're talking about the Holy Ghost in tongues supernatural language for unbelievers to use with different purposes and principles involved. And so I didn't have any idea what I was getting ready to run into. No idea at all. But she's like, yeah, come to the services. Okay, I don't care. I don't care because I'm still seeking. I'm looking. And this was one group of people that I couldn't figure out and I couldn't, I couldn't mark them off the list yet. I didn't get my pen out for them yet. They were believers. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I couldn't mark them off my list yet, Pastor. Couldn't mark them off because there was something about them. And there's something about every single person in here who's got the Holy Ghost messing around with you or you're full of the Holy Ghost. And people out there see it. I promise you. They're analyzing your life. So I went. And I'm sitting there in the service just as simple and plain as you guys are. And this is so important. It's so emotional. Because I'm just sitting there. And everybody's sitting there, and no names, no ministers have been mentioned. I didn't even mention the name of my church that I grew up in. That all aside, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the minister up there that's ministering, he says something in the Holy Ghost, in tongues, in a language, a supernatural language from heaven. That's really what he's giving you. Don't get confused by the word tongues. And he said something. So I'm sitting there, and I, I look around, I I looked at people next to me, Mike. I said, 
I wanted to say out loud to the person sitting next to me, did you hear that? What the world was that? Honestly. I said, I said, what was that? In my spirit, I'm like, boom. Because when tongues is spoken, if you're an unbeliever, and it's tongues as a sign to the unbeliever, which is one of the reasons that tongues is in the scripture, then it'll grab you. But it is not an it. It is he. Because he is reaching out as a sign to you that's an unbeliever. Tongues is vital in your life if that's the only reason. Because when something is spoken in tongues, if you're an unbeliever, boom. Then I said, hmm, okay, I'm going to pay attention here. And then he's just talking in English, the minister. Ministering. Ministering. I said, yeah, just, just, just. I'm watching. All of a sudden, I'm watching him, and he says something in tongues. And I said, I got you. I'm look I said, now either I'm going insane now. I'm really going too far, or that's exactly what I've been looking for. How did I know that when I didn't know God? Now, I didn't say tongues, whatever he's saying, whatever language that's supernatural that he's speaking is what I was looking for. I didn't say that. Dave. I didn't say that. I wasn't thinking that. It wasn't the tongues I was looking for. It was the essence of what was coming out of him that I was looking for. It was the truth that I was desperate for in life that I was looking for. Get it? See, there's a difference there. And when I heard the tongues, I knew that was, that was directly connected to the truth that I was desperate for in life that was coming out of his mouth, and that was it. And then I said, okay, that's it. Then I waited, Chris. I sat there, and I waited, and I watched him. I mean, like a hunter, like a hawk, like a conqueror, and I watched. Because I knew if I didn't find the truth, I was out of here. No big deal. It's easy. Life's easy that way. It's just gone. Life is fragile. It's easy to get rid of. So I'm watching Chris, and then sure enough, as I'm watching, as I'm analyzing, as I'm knowing that that was the truth, John, I see him, but yet I hear him, and it's God himself. He speaks in tongues again. I said, okay, that's it. It's over. That's what, I'm, that's what I need. That's it. That's my life. How would I be able to soliloquate tongues and whatever he's saying with the full essence of a human life, period, end of story. Because he is the way, the truth, capital T, in the life. After that, it was over. And so the foundation for my whole life as a believer some 25 years ago started on the foundation of the Holy Ghost. And he is not tongues. He's not tongues at all. Tongues is just a way that he expresses himself in the earth through a believer as a sign to the unbeliever and for lots of other great reasons and, 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 and great things that can come to our life. And that's all I'm going to share about that right now. But it was an amazing start. You can see how incredible that was. And from that day forth, that day forth, there's never been a step backwards. There's never been a, a dry day without the Holy Ghost. Never been a challenge where he hasn't been there. Plenty of mistakes, plenty of good, good things, but never a day without him standing next to me in the same exact spirit of that truth that I said, okay. And I opened the door, and he came in. Unbelievable to me. The, the, I, I like what Ben said. I mean, 
There's people all around that are looking for that. Ben was at a desperate place in his life, but God introduced another dimension of the supernatural to him through that, that service and what he was encountering right there. And also, I wanted to emphasize with that, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit, the focus is tongues. But tongues is not the pursuit. The pursuit is the Holy Spirit. There are different ways that the Holy Spirit will work through people. Tongues may be one way that he does, and sometimes that's an initiation. But the reality is there's many different gifts that God gives to empower the believers. Come, Linda, come share. Yes, can you use the mic so they can hear you? This is going to sound really strange, and I know some of you already know this experience, but I grew up in a denomination that um, I don't think they ever talked against tongues. They just didn't talk about it. And um, somehow, you know, it's kind of like being in a way, you know something's missing. I was a very joyful child. I always wanted to sing the happy songs like, Do Lord, or Do Lord, or Do Remember Me. And uh, a lot of other people just sang very solemn. <laughs> and I thought, so, something's wrong here. I, I didn't know what it was. I wanted to clap my hands or raise my hands. But we didn't do that in this church. If you did, people would look at you, you know. So I grew up that way. And I went to Atlantic Christian College, and um, which is Barton. And one night, I, well, I was living next to this woman. Let me back up a little bit. And I know God plopped me down right next to her because I wasn't living the way God intended for me to live. But this woman was just so full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you remember Molly Hill. She came here towards the end of her life. We used to be in a four-square church together. But the way she got me going back to church was if it was raining, she'd take my laundry off the line. I'd come home and couldn't find my laundry, and my neighbor had it. She would make little fried corn cakes and bring them over. And she loved me like I was her daughter. And um, one night I went to sleep. And I can't tell you if this was a dream or if I was in the heavenly. I cannot tell you what this was. It's never happened before or after. And um, there were these three beautiful witches in this thing. And I knew that. They were trying to kill me. And uh, when I was in this certain denomination, I learned little Bible verses. God is love. And um, so as one witch took her sword and tried to kill me, I would say a Bible verse. And then the second, and she'd disappear, and then the second witch tried to kill me. And I said a Bible verse. And she disappeared. And then the third witch took her sword out and was going to kill me and I dropped to my knees and I started speaking in tongues in the heavenlies whatever this was and I had never spoken tongues before and it was like I've always grown up a really hard-headed stubborn person <laughs> and God had to really show me for me to believe in something because I'd grown up for 20 years not even hearing I knew nothing at all so I went next door to this neighbor's, and her son was a missionary and his wife. And um, I started saying, something really weird happened to me last night. And he said, wait, before you say anything, let me get the Bible up. Let me talk. Uh, 
let me see what God has to say first. And every single thing I said, he could match it verse for verse in the Bible. And I started telling him, you know, what had happened. And then we stood, there was just um, the four of us in a circle holding hands. He goes, well, are you ready to speak in tongues? I said, I don't know. You know, Jesus says to come to him as a little child. And this is part of what it means, is if you don't know, he does, you know. I, that's what I said. I said, I don't know, you know. I'd never spoken tongues. And this guttural language came up out of the middle of my body. It was like a fire just flowing fast and furious out of my mouth. And um, it went on for quite a while. And then the missionaries was saying what it was. I wished it was on tape. I, it was so interesting. And then um, he said, would you want to pray for Tom? And it blah, 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 came back out again, you know? And it was like, I knew that I knew that I knew this is what I was missing. This was the piece of the puzzle that hadn't been in place. And that there was real joy out there when you discovered the Holy Spirit and his language. Amen. Good word, Donna. Donna's had something going on for a few weeks. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, right now, I just want to thank the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because usually if anybody notices me, I have to put on my reading glasses. Well, today I saw the words clearly. I did not have to put on any reading glasses, so hallelujah. Um, and then when I was 28, well, I was saved when I was younger. I was baptized with water when I was 16 because uh, I was already serving in church, helping with children's ministry. And they said, have you been baptized? I said, uh, no. They said, oh, you need to be baptized to be helping with ministry. I said, okay, let's get it done. But um, the Lord had a word in me, but for some reason, till I was 28 years old, what Cecile was talking about, fear, I was dyslexic. I would look at the Bible, and some days it was clear and I could read it, but some days it literally looked like a word I could, it was just, and that was during school. I went through school, past school, even went through a couple of years of college. But I always had good, God always gave me good teachers that would work with me verbally. But when I was 28 years old, I said, God, there's, there's more than this. There's more than this. I said, um, I want to be free from this because I want to read your word and know your word and when I give it to others. I don't know what I'm giving them. And, um, but, you know, God, sometimes all you have to say is your words flow from my mouth, and he will, his words will flow from, from your mouth. Because recently, well, back up. When I first came here, you said not name churches, but when I first came here, I knew the Lord. But one day I was having that issue that I finally got over with my neck. And um, I asked God um, to anoint me. And the Holy Spirit came in me, and fire went through me, and um, started speaking in tongues. And that kind of is fearful to some if they don't know what it is. It's fearful at first. And then sometimes I would say, well, some people are looking at me like they don't, there's no, you know, I always thought when I read it, when I finally could read it well, um, somebody should interpret. But in my spirit one day, I heard the Lord say, right this minute, you're, you're carrying on a relationship to me. You're having a relationship. It's a holy, it's a tongue to me. So that was just between me and him. And it's not always just uh, you can interpret what I'm saying to her in, in, the, in this. 
Holy Spirit, and in tongues. And um, other than that, um, I just thank God that the Holy Spirit's in me because I know now that the fear's gone um, when, um, we, when I go out to pray for others. And, and I can go out and pray for those because in, it, before I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Like now, the group, the evangelist group that we're trying to help with, uh, before, that's another thing. Before I received the Holy Spirit, you could look at me and ask me to pray for you, and I would literally break down and start crying because I was scared in fear. But uh, the Holy Spirit in me has, has freed me from my fears. And I just thank Him for that. And I don't know about y'all, but there's something going on in the atmosphere because... There is something going on because I'm in the Walmart and somebody looks like they need something and I go up now and I'm just, you know, I'm shaking, but it's not scaring them because it's good people. Amen. Good. Amen. That's what we're talking about. God's, God's moving. He just needs people who are willing to move with him. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you, you're not going to be a little bit apprehensive about doing something, but what, I'm going to, what I do want to tell you is that the power that God has placed within you will overtake that apprehension. If you'll just yield to him, allow him to use you, you'll find that you begin to say things that you didn't even have any idea you were going to say. You're going to have confirmation of thoughts about that person that you never even knew anything about them, but now You've got things that you need to say about them or about their life or where God's taking them that you had no foreknowledge about. It's the Holy Spirit working through you. And that, just like, like tongues, you're speaking things that you don't know specifically what you're saying. You're just speaking it out. In the same way, using your language and your mind and your knowledge, God will give you things to say to people that you don't know about their history or you don't know about their tomorrow, but God will give you a word to share with them that will end up being a confirmation that God was interacting with their life, that God was intervening in their circumstances, situation. And God needs people he can use like that. And we need to be able to step beyond our fear or our apprehension or our busyness and let God use us. So if you're willing to be that people, will you stand with me and let's pray together? Now, I want to encourage you, believers, if you have not had an encounter with the Holy Spirit to where you feel like that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you haven't invited him to take control of your life in that kind of way, I want to invite you to invite him to be Lord of your life in that kind of way and to work through you. It'll be one of the best days of your life. If there's anybody in here that wants to come down and be prayed for, you're welcome to come down and be prayed for. But right now, we're going to make ourselves available to the Lord. Lord, God, we, I just want to say this. God, we want everything that's of you and nothing that's of the enemy. So, God, right now, we set the parameters that, Jesus, we want you to be Lord of our lives, God. We want to walk in the fullness that you've intended for your believers. We want to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to walk in intimacy of relationship with you, dear God. We want to be used mightily to see lives and destinies changed, to see families and communities transformed. But, God, we need you to take us to school in the Holy Spirit so that we can know how to walk with you and how to work with you. So would you do that, Lord? Lord, if we think we've got it all figured out because we've known you for a long time and we had experiences back in the day, let's get some fresh fire on the altar. 
God, renew us and take us into new dimensions, dear Lord, so that we're not just comfortable with what we've already known. But, Lord, stir the passion afresh inside of us. God, if we're here today and we've been in church, and, but all this is kind of new and it sounds a little weird and we've heard about the tongues thing, God, we're not pursuing tongues except to the degree that it helps us grow into what you have for us. We want an encounter with the Holy Spirit that transforms our lives, empowers us. Lord, tongues is a part of that whole process, dear God, but there's so many other dimensions to walking in the Spirit. Dear Lord, we want the fullness that you intend for us. You said, John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. So we want everything that you provided, every piece of equipment. Lord, we don't want to get in a car and take one of the wheels off, and we have to kind of limp down the road. We want all four wheels, and we want them all going in the same direction. So God, with regards to our spiritual life, we want everything that you provided for us. So we just make ourselves available right now. Holy Spirit, would you breathe over us? Fill hearts and lives. Transform individuals. Equip us for works of ministry, dear God, so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. And then through us, Lord, change our homes, change our businesses, your God, change our community, change the world. God, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. Amen.